tonight we're talking about honouring the prince. Really, perhaps, hopefully, mess with your heart a little bit. And I trust in that God actually sets you free. In John 14, it takes us on a little bit of a journey, uh, 25, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, to his people here, explaining to them that he's going to go. And another one is going to come. In verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. That's a little bit of a punch up the throat, if you know what I mean. He's saying, we've talked about this before. (laughs) And I'm telling you (laughs) while I'm with you so you understand what we're actually talking about. I really, really want you to remember this. And verse 26, but he said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paracletus, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Isn't that wonderful? Think about that. You have a spirit available to you that is going to teach you all the things that God has taught you and bring to your remembrance all those things. So Alzheimer's for a Christian is not real. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh-huh. I'd rather take the Holy Ghost over a sickness. Wouldn't you? Think about it. This is a journey. And he says, now, to us, to said, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not, I did not give to you, but let your heart not, let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So don't let your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid, because the peace I'm about to give to you is going to, you know, put out that fire. It's going to extinguish that. You sort of get that concept? He's talking to him about, and he's, as I said this morning, he's talking about his last will and testament, essentially. He's saying, this is, I'm about to leave, and this is what I'm about to give you uh, as something that's, that's right and that's possible for you, and how important that actually is. And so we look at that today, and we look at it and thinking, that's a good idea, um, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm amazed when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as a comforter, this must have been his experience of the comforter in heaven because God, Jesus has come from heaven, so to speak. He's going, my experience of being with the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, is that he's really comforting. He's comforted me a few times, and I don't know about you. We, you know, it's like, uh, almost like the Holy Spirit's nickname to Jesus, a comforter. I wonder what he would have been like, or is like, to comfort Jesus, you know? You think, well, what's, what's he, you know, oh, I know the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, it happened, you know, years ago, oh, I can speak in tongues, but do you know the Holy Spirit? Does he get involved with your life, or are you trying to squeeze God into your life, or are you yielding yourself to God's life? You know, that's the, the difference here when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. Yeah, huh? And so he's, he's sort of talking here, my experience of this person, the paracletus, this person, the Holy Spirit, he's, been, he's a comforter. I think that's really cool. And it's very powerful. And he's going to teach you a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't know. I think that's I'm amazed how smart the Holy Spirit is. I'm really amazed. Times I don't know answers to stuff, I get answers to stuff when I ask the Holy Spirit. You just got to take time out. Sometimes you go, oh, I don't know the answer to this. And the Holy Spirit, what would be the answer? And he tells me this answer. And I go, that's such a cool answer. That's so good. Many times the Holy Spirit will tell me things are about to happen just before they actually happen. might be a month, might be a week, it might be a, a time. He, he just does that. I don't know. He just blows my mind every, every time. And he's helping me all the time. 
with these things and he's helping you too. And Jesus is talking about here in this sort of Jewish understanding here, this Eastern religion called Christianity that he's espousing, talking about. He's talking about here peace, my peace I live with you. This shalom peace that I live with you is a really interesting thought. We talked this morning about how uh, the goal of people's lives sometimes is to be happy and happy. And I, I, it's somehow some people can get addicted to this happiness culture. And we, we, we really are addicted to it. I buy this new handbag because it's going to make, not that I buy handbags, but uh, maybe that didn't come out right. But, you know, you buy a new car because you think it's going to make you happy. You buy new, and, you know, it's nothing wrong with buying new stuff. But if the goal is to make you happy, after a while, you won't be happy because it won't be new. And so, therefore, the challenge of life is then uh, handed over to, to a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a husband, or wife. Is your job is to make me happy. And before long, it's like, fair dinkum, I don't know if I can make you happy, and I'm not making you happy, and now you're not liking me because I'm not making you happy. It's got even worse. We've gone from almost like to hate. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I don't think anyone can truly make you happy other than you making yourself happy. <laughs> you know? And happiness, as I said this morning, is based upon that root word called happenings. So when hap- things are happening my way, I will be happy. <laughs> When Jesus is talking about an everlasting joy that is much more stable, it's not actually connected to our emotions. Even peace is not connected to our emotions. It's an interesting thing. It's not really an emotional thing, peace. Uh, and so here he's talking about the pure stuff when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy and kindness. Joy is different to happiness and so on and so forth. But when he's talking about peace, Jesus is saying, my peace I leave with you. And it's quite an interesting conversation because it says there we read it this morning in John uh, later in John it says that then Jesus breathed on them and he said now to receive the Holy Spirit and then it's not till later until perhaps around Acts 2 that they actually receive the Holy Spirit so he's sort of saying to them I think prepare yourself to receive the Holy Spirit but he's saying here to these people but the help of the Holy Spirit and he'll teach you and peace I live with you and I peace I give to you not as the world gives and we know the world wants to give a peace, which means that we'll protest, we'll argue, we'll punch you in the nose as long as we get out our way or we have peace. He's saying, not this sort of peace. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about an internal peace. So when Jesus said to these disciples, peace I leave with you, he wasn't talking about the world here. He's talking about believers. Now, it's available to everybody if they believe but peace is not available to everybody. Because Jesus, if Jesus was saying there, because it says the angels sang peace, peace when he was first born, it means that if the world was going to have peace when Jesus came into the world, then 2,000 years ago there wouldn't have been any wars until now. But there has been. So he wasn't talking about a worldly sort of peace. He was talking about an internal peace for believers that they can actually have when they invite the Prince of Peace in their life. The world can never have peace by protesting for peace. You with me? Because you need to have the Prince of Peace in your heart to do that. And he's talking very specifically to the disciples here. He said, this Holy Spirit is going to come and help you and remind you of all things. I can imagine one of the things he'd be reminding you is peace is really important. And so therefore, peace becomes the umpire to our life and the judge of things, if you're signing a contract, as I said this morning, to buy a new house and you don't have a peace about it, I wouldn't sign. 
But the peace sometimes, as I said this morning, to qualify that, isn't not to sign. It's a bad house. The important thing is maybe you haven't sought God before you actually went to sign. Say, God, is this a wise thing to do for my life? And God usually says, you know, stuff to me. He says, like, you want it, yeah? And I go, yeah, I want it. And he goes, do you need it? Why do you have to ask the tough, you know? Do you need it? No, I don't need it. Then why are you getting it? Because I want it. Yeah, you do, don't you? But do I want you to have it? Is it good for you? Is it wholesome? Is it, is it you're going to, you know, cause sometimes you can only spend an amount of money once, can't you? You don't get, you know, if you spend that, I don't know, whatever it is you get, you know, maybe a reward of $10,000. A friend of mine, he, uh, he got in his, uh, what do you call that, end of year business pack thing that he was on. He got a $50,000 bonus. Uh, and he's, you can only spend that once. You can't go, I spent it on that. Ooh, I should have spent it over here and, and do it that way. But anyway, they're the things that uh, are very important to look at. And so it, it, here, 429 times in the Bible mentions the word peace. It says the world can't give it. United Nations can't give it. Prime Minister can't give it. Winning an argument with your friend can't give it. Buying bargain shoes not, can't give it. Um, a day off doesn't give it tomorrow. A birthday doesn't give you peace, essentially. The world can't give peace. And so 429 times in the Bible it's mentioned. In Genesis 15, 15, it's the first time peace is actually mentioned. It says, and you'll go to the fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. I think that's good, isn't it? And you shall go to the fathers, which means those who have been buried before you, in peace and be buried at a good old age. I'll take that one. Genesis 15, 15, first time it's actually meant. Paul talks about peace in Ephesians 6. He says there are shoes peace, boots of peace, which actually means you've got to stand in peace. You've got to stand in it. You've got to make a decision that peace is now the umpire. It's the focus of what I want not to be happy. The word peace actually literally means being free from disturbance which includes personal wholeness, righteousness, prosperity for all of creation. It's available for everybody, but it comes through salvation, through inviting the Prince of Peace into your heart and the forgiveness of sins for your life, because a sinful life will be a troubled life. He says it's a resting state, a state of calmness. It's not really an emotional state. It's a contented state with a satisfied life. Isn't that amazing? But if you read Matthew 10, 34, 36, it said, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Interesting thought, isn't it? Did Jesus come to bring peace to the earth? Yeah, but not everyone on earth. Only believers, it seems. And not every believer seems to get it. Because in Hebrews, it says, many of you seem to have come short of the rest of God, which aligns itself with the peace of God not entered into the rest of God. And so and then Jesus in 10.34 says, I, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Which he goes on, he says, I came to bring division and strife amongst you. And how many people know that? You know, sometimes it can be quite difficult when you become a believer in your family and the rest of the family get really upset. They get really cranky with you. They're upset that you're, you know, you're one of those people now. You're a believer and, and that's still You might go into the workplace and it's difficult. You might go into some different places and people say, oh, you're one of those Christians now. It doesn't often bring peace. It brings a sword. It brings division. It brings separation. In families, it can do it. It can, it can do it. The Bible talks about this in this whole scripture. 
It can bring those different things. But what Jesus essentially is saying, you can still have peace in your heart no matter what's going on on the outside. You can have a confidence. And I suppose these things are important when you lock them down and bolt them in your life. Because it's what you believe, isn't it? And then we can sort of, I suppose the Bible says your life is built line upon line and precept upon precept, where you lock things in, you bolt them down, and then you lock another thing over the top of that, and you lock it, and you go, this is what I believe. I don't need to be reminded every Sunday. I can be, and it's great. But essentially, I'm shouting and I'm cheering because I already locked that in. I've tried and tested that truth, and it set me free, and I'm living out of that freedom. Is that true? Uh-huh. I was with a doctor at Christmas, a very good friend of ours, Dr. Derek, and Dr. Derek was saying, uh, he said, you know, when I was a kid, mum always said to me, he's a um, Filipino guy, no, Malaysian, isn't he? And uh, he said, when I was a kid, mum always said, when you eat tea, you can't go on the trampoline because it'll get into your appendix and give you appendicitis. So after tea, you can't jump around. You have to be still. She's a clever woman. <laughs> And he said, all my life, I believed that until I went to medical school and I asked the question, does jumping around after a meal give you appendicitis? I go, no, not really. That's not what happens. He said, my whole life until the age I was nearly 25, I believed a lie. And he said, I acted out of that lie. I lived out of that lie. I performed out of that lie. I even told my other friends that. When they came over, they weren't allowed to jump around either. They had to be quiet. So this story was actually affecting so many different people, if you know what I mean. See, he locked it in, locked it in Eddie and bolted it down, but it wasn't truth. So how important it is in our life over and over again is when we come in here preaching, whatever we do, we, get, we agree with that and we lock it in. We bolt it down because that forms the foundation of our character. That might be the walls of our character. It might be the roof of our character. But eventually, God builds the house. And it is our life and it's strong house. And the storms come and they're not. It doesn't, you know, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll, you know, the three little pigs story. I'll blow your house down. But the house built a brick, solid rock, was not moved. Is that true? I think that's the story, isn't it? I haven't believed this lie, have I? Just making sure. So when it comes to peace versus happiness, either you still chase and pursue, perhaps after this message, happiness, or you change thoughts and think, peace is now more important. It's actually more biblical as a foundation for my future, and I want to live a more Bible-based life. So getting rid of happiness out that way, I'm not talking about getting rid of being happy. I'm talking about letting it be the foundational goal for your life that everyone has to make you happy uh, is not perhaps the way to go. Shifting the goalpost and playing a different game is really, really important here. Either do it or you don't. It's, it's, a, it's up to you. I don't really mind what you, you actually do. But Jesus said here, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. He said, I, I came to bring disunity more than I actually came to bring unity. Why? Because he said in disunity, it requires a choice. You have to make a choice. You're for me, you're against me. Which way are you actually going to go? And how many people know there's a pressure around the choice? No, okay, there's not. But I found there is. Everything in life is under the power of choice. But when you make that choice, you become a servant to the choice you've made. And so it's very strong in it that I have made that choice based upon my convictions right now. What's a conviction? We've taught this. What's a conviction? 
Okay. A conviction is a belief I'm ready to die for. That's an inner conviction that you can shoot me, you can electrocute me, you can hang me from the thing, you can do what you like to my body, but you won't convince me of any other way. I'm prepared to die for what I have as a conviction on the inside. How many convictions have you got? I hope you've got a few. Uh And that makes solid Christianity. It makes a real person that says, this is one of my convictions. This is what I believe. I can lock it in, bolt it down. I live out of this. I stand on this. I've seen the fruit of it. I've seen the truth of it. It works. You can't persuade me out of this. In fact, if you'd like to try, and if it's better argument than I've got, I might come your way. But if it's not, would you come my way? It's a conviction that we can pivot on, balance on, and peace is one of those things. I have to know, I can know, I want to know the peace of God. I can be a goey person, I can be this, I can be that, but can I, I use a very new age word, but it will help you, can I center myself to be still and know that he's God? To know that God is in control. Not for two seconds, but the millions of seconds that make up a week. God, you're in control. I don't need to be anxious. In fact, he says, don't get anxious. It's not good. I don't need to be arrogant. In fact, God says, I resist the arrogant. I need to be at peace. One with God, and out of that, I can be at peace with man. But he said this sort of peace is only for believers. But essentially, Jesus is saying, and I cut to the quick, he's saying when my kingdom comes, because peace, as I said, we, we haven't seen that come in the way we expect. But he said when my kingdom comes in the second coming, peace will reign. Uh-huh. So we'll step into the wholeness of peace. It doesn't alter the fact that we can have a portion of peace operating in our hearts right now. I'm cutting to the quick. That's probably very simple for the theologians that probably jump and leaping over tables there. But it's very, very important. One day Jesus will come down and establish an everlasting kingdom where peace will be the rule, not the exception. That's why we pray, let my Lord's Prayer, let the kingdom come, your will be done in my heart and in my life. Until the second coming, uh, we can have peace for the believer only, which is an internal peace which the Bible says passes all understanding, which means passes all logic, I can have peace. It's the same in Ephesians where it says, God says, I want you to have love beyond knowledge, peace beyond understanding. Love beyond knowledge simply means uh, an understanding of, um, you, you know, it's um, pick on someone uh, good like Heidi, got a good self-image. <laughs> if you knew everything that I knew about Heidi, you'd find it hard to love her. Why? What about it? See, our love can stop with what we know. What do you know? I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm just making it up. But see how we can jump to those conclusions. God's saying, I want you to have love. Paul was talking about that. That passes all understanding. All knowledge, sorry. Just the same as he says, I want you to have peace. That passes all understanding. You think, whoa, passes all logic almost. Well, you should be so upset, you Christians. You should be so cranky and you should be... No, quite peaceful actually. Why? Because we understand the spirit world. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament, it says, I want you to be masters of the spirit world. I want you to master 
the understanding of the dynamic of the spirit. So, you know, it's like when the wall, you know, all the roof, and I heard about the wall and all the water coming through and stuff on the floor, and I, th- I was thinking, oh, yeah, I feel, uh, I feel for you guys being here and having to make decisions and Pastor Peter and stuff, but I just started to laugh, and I thought, isn't that funny? We're out there praying for rain and believing for rain and, and water and stuff like that, and then the devil comes around and just whacks you in the back of the head and brings all water inside the church. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just, just brings water. I've noticed that we had not stopped raining since Jane and I got back, <laughs> trying to find out how we turned the tab off. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. He just comes around and do that. But if you don't let yourself connect the spiritual dynamic with the natural, then you just get frustrated and angry. You just get upset. And what happens? You lose your peace. You don't really lose it. You've let the devil rob you of your peace. Because you haven't valued it enough for your own heart and your own life. That's what it is. It's, you can't earn this peace. He's given it as a free gift to you. That's what he's saying. And, and so by connecting that, you know, people say, oh, look, I, I'm, so, uh, I'm so ticked off at the moment. You know, I feel sick and, you know, this and that. And, you know, someone the other day said, I'm so glad that I hurt myself. So now I can go and visit people in the hospital while I'm there in hospital. I'm thinking, no. God didn't make you sick so you could go to hospital, so you could visit people. Did you know you can go and visit people in hospital when you're not sick? Never thought of that, Pastor Stewart. God doesn't make you sick. It's the devil. But some people don't connect that and get mad enough at the devil to express their anger at the devil, because the Bible says be angry but don't sin. To express their anger at the devil and get mad at the devil and, and, and rejoice with God. So therefore they blur it all into the same pot and suppress it, lose their peace. Because of lack of understanding. How important it is to have that understanding. Anyway, are you doing okay? It's, it, 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 it's, uh... So when there's strife and division, when he says, I didn't come to bring a peace, I come to bring a sword... You've got to have the peace of God in your heart for the future because you don't know what tomorrow is actually going to bring. You don't know what, what, what it's going to bring. I've had challenges last year, the year before. year before that, we had such big challenges in our life, Jane and I personally. And uh, we just had to find the peace of God to calm us, to, you know, so you don't hurt someone, you know, yourself. You don't say stupid things. You don't do stupid things. Then regret it and then go, oh, and live out of shame and guilt for the next year. You've got to pull yourself in and say, my peace is very important here and this is robbing my peace. Why is that happening? God, what do you want to do? Throws you into prayer. Doesn't like it should. So we can find the peace of God for our hearts and our minds, especially if peace is our goal, not happiness. You with me on that? If you think you've got to be happy all the time and that's the only way you can eke your way through life, you're going to live a very sad life, I think. But when you've got peace that the world can't give and the world can't take it away, it's a very sweet thing, it's a very beautiful thing, it's very godly, and it's a real cool look. Because non-Christians can be happy. Non-Christians can have a lot of stuff, but they can't have the peace that you've got if you've got it. Uh-huh. What's the, what's the answer to one of the biggest problems we have in our city? What is it? Domestic violence. Wouldn't peace be the answer to that? Oh, yeah. 
We're not going to get an answer to domestic violence, but walking around the city with placards going, you know, what we'll get an answer for is seeing people saved and Jesus coming into their heart and stuff like that, isn't it? That's why it's, it's silly as Christians sometimes to lose your peace protesting about gay issues and all this sort of stuff and, you know, don't do this and don't protest like that and you shouldn't be doing that. You'll go to hell. Well, they're going to hell anyway. They're not going to go to a worse hell because they're going to be able to do what non-Christians do. They don't need to be rebuked sometimes over that spiritually. They need to be saved. Because rebuking about what they're doing is not going to... They might do the right thing, but still go to hell. As a Christian, that's not our goal. Our goal is to be able to help people escape hell, so to speak. So we must be people who are wise in that area anyway. I'm getting carried away with my own philosophy, but I think it's important. And I said, it's not my job as your senior pastor to make you happy. It's not your wife's job. It's not your mate's job. But you need to be at peace with God so you can be at peace with man. And there's an opportunity for you to be able to be at peace. And I, as I say, I probably disqualify myself from preaching this message because I really am not the greatest ambassador for peace, but I want to be. So thank you, Jesus, for coming to help us. I thank you, Jesus, that you're wanting to help us, that tonight we can honour the Prince, the Prince of Peace, by realising the importance of peace in our life, the value of peace. And so when we go out into outreaches and we go out and do these things, we'll be incredibly peaceful people because, not religiously strange, but peacefully relevant as we do those things because people go, well, that happened to me last week and I just got angry and punched someone. Go, well, no, it happened to me too and I just didn't react that way. And they go, I noticed that. How, How come you don't react when things happen like that? Glad you asked. Let me explain to you why. It's because of Jesus being in my heart, the Prince of Peace. So tonight, maybe there's some thing changing your thinking. I promise to those sort of things would happen. The, the challenge I'm, I'm leaving with you tonight is are you willing to shift your goalposts? Are you willing to, you know, own the Word of God for your own heart and saying, hey, I need more peace in my life. But peace doesn't want to have a, it's not peace versus happiness. Like, let's have an argument and see which one wins. <laughs> it's like saying, I've got to get rid of the happiness thinking, which extended out actually has gone into a legal sort of format called political correctness, to going, hey, the most important thing Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, what was he offering to us in what was called his last will and testament, essentially? What was he offering us? Where's he getting this peace from? Where'd he get it from? The peace that he had with his father. Salvation came to earth in the shape of a father-son relationship. There's some peace with dad. And how many people know that's a very ideal analogy because many, many times sons are not at peace with their fathers. He took the high ground when he said that. He said, me and dad, we're one, we're in this together. We see eye to eye on everything. He said, I don't even do anything unless I see my father doing it. Sinless man, Jesus. 
So sure, and he said, this peace I've got with Dad, this vertical thing, I want to offer it to you as a gift. How much? Free. Oh, it must be a trick. Not really. Why do you think like that? It's free. Do you want it? Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm too, you know, oh, you don't know how bad I've been and stuff like that. So it's free. It's still free. Oh, but no, it's still free. Do you want, do you want it? I'll give it to someone else. Oh, hang on a minute. No, I'll take it. <laughs> Father, we thank you tonight. This is a very simple but genuine offer. I, I believe tonight, Lord, as I've shared this, it just resonates with many people. I've got this, I've got that, not that, but I have. do I have peace? Do I have peace with God? Yes, I do. Fantastic. Good on you. 10 out of 10. And I congratulate anybody who walks like that. People will feel it from you. But Father, I pray tonight that people who don't have that in their marriage, it's called lack of agreement. That's what it looks like. Lack of acceptance. I pray, Father, today we look at, again, probably, at what Jesus had on offer when he talked about this beautiful, sweet quality that's a fruit of the Spirit called peace. It's up there with love, gentleness, kindness, joy. They're not just words to be spoken or words to be worshipped. They're actually a living possibility to be a peaceful sort of person. Slow to answer. Wise in counsel. It's how you carry yourself. It's what you carry. What's in the center of your heart. Replace it with peace today. To have true peace, maybe you need to put a few things right with people. Don't make them feel any worse than they already may feel. Put grace on the table first. Peace has to be a valuable, valuable thing that we carry and want and will into our life from God. Father, we thank you. This peace that's been handed down, we thank you for it. It's not just an atmosphere thing. It's right in the very core of the abundance of our hearts. Peace with God. There's nothing between him and me. If there is, we're talking about it. We're working it out. We're working it through. Because I have a covenant relationship with God. We pray, Father, that in church life we can be incredibly motivated and stimulated by loud music and shouting and cheering. There's nothing wrong with that. As the world comes in, they want to sit in a church, Father, and and, uh, watch all that going on and appreciate that. But 
They can still find that in the world. They can find it at a rock concert. They can find it here, there, and anywhere. But, Father, they can't find peace anywhere else like this. So church should be a peaceful place as well as being a vibrant place. That's only brought not by the chairs. They don't have that quality, but by the people who make up the life of that church, carry the peace of God. They've explored it. They've let God in in that area of their life. Help them, I pray, Father.